Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, everyone, welcome back into another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. It is Brian Hines. It is Alex Barth. Hope everyone had a wonderful holidays past few days. Despite what many people said was the Patriots ruining Christmas with a 26-23 win over the Denver Denver Broncos Sunday night on Christmas Eve, thanks to a Chad Ryland 56-yard field goal with two seconds left there. So they won. Sounds good. Bailey Zappi looked looked good again, but they lose or they lose some of the draft pick. Their standings in the draft pick because they were. Two going into the week with the Commanders lost and the Patriots win. They fall back to four. So a lot of people upset about that. And I get, like, big picture, that's the best thing for this organization. But this isn't a tanking team. They're still playing hard for their head coach. And that's just the reality of it. And this is kind of where they sit right now. It's also, like, you're allowed to trade draft picks. Um, You know, if if the NFL draft was as predictable as people on Twitter making it sound... uh, (laughs) it would be way less fun both in terms of what teams are going to do and what the players will ultimately become. It was actually that predictable. Uh, it, it, there would be no need to do it. There's a reason you play the games, right? So look, I, I'm not going to sit here and say you can't root for draft position. Obviously it's kind of disappointing big picture to see them win that game. But also I think you did see some encouraging signs for the future within this game. A lot of young players stepping up and, I've talked about this a lot kind of over the course of the season as we get close to the offseason that like, all right, how long is the to-do list going to be? Just how many guys are they going to need? Just how many spots are they going to need to fill? And it felt like maybe you could check a couple of those off uh, or or a couple that I shouldn't say like definitively check them off for one game, but it felt like you got some answers on some guys or close to answers on some guys that maybe didn't have before after that game. Yep, and the rookies, you mentioned a lot of those guys stepping up because he had a lot of guys, veteran contributors, missing with injuries. So we can get into some of that. But yeah, like obviously the higher you are in the draft, not only does it increase your odds to get the player you want and the player you scout and tout as maybe the next guy, but it increases your opportunities available with, with trading around. That pick is more valuable. But like with... Two weeks to go here. There's still a path that they could bump back up to the second or third pick. It's obviously less likely now, but that path is still available. And then, as you just said, and you've been harping on for a while here, the draft order is anything but concrete. And if you like a guy that much, just go up and get him. And now you have to give up another mid-round pick maybe to do that. But how have those mid-round picks hit the last few years that it's going to restrict you or you know, make, make you feel one way, like against it so much that you don't want to do that. So, and I would say on on top of that too, everybody's saying, well, you can't trade with teams that don't want to, you know, everybody's like, Oh, well, the top three teams need quarterbacks and they're not going to trade out if they want a quarterback one, make it worth their while. No, because they, they do have other options. I'm not convinced the Cardinals are definitely going to take a quarterback. Hardly convinced on that. I'm not necessarily convinced the bears are either. I think the best case scenario for the Patriots at this point is the commanders trade up from one to three, uh, from three to one commanders trade up to one. They take Caleb Williams Cardinals, either take Drake may a two or move that pick. Somebody wants Drake may bears. Aren't going to trade down again from three. They take Marvin Harrison jr. There, or maybe Joe Walt. I, I don't know what it like the top non quarterback. And then you get Jaden Daniels at four, which I would say is hardly something to hang your head about 
hardly something to hang your head about. That's all. That's still all very much in play. Like it's not. Again, if you want to be disappointed because you're looking forward to high draft pick, I, I have no problem with that. That's just yeah. part of being a fan. If you're gonna say, and I this is not hyperbole. You go look at my mentions on Twitter. I got this numerous times. If you're gonna say that that win set the Patriots franchise back a decade, you're just looking for something to be miserable about. That's nothing in the NFL impacts an entire decade. Drafting the right quarterback might not make you good for a decade. Look at what the Chiefs are going through right now with Patrick Mahomes. You can draft the right quarterback, and I'm not saying like they overall screwed it up, but we all said the Chiefs for the next decade were this unbeatable wagon. They're kind of scratching and clawing for playoff spot right now. So nothing in the NFL impacts a decade. It only does that if you let it. And if the Patriots let it, then they're being poorly run and a change needs to be made. And it shouldn't take a decade to do that. So, uh, yeah, I, it just be bummed all you want about the draft position. It doesn't mean that the win is this cataclysmic thing that just the Patriots will never, ever be good again. And they're destined to just be a, a five, six win team forever. Uh, the organization would have to be so poorly run for that domino effect to take place. Yep. And, and you still have the fourth pick. Let's like. You could get Jaden Daniels, who could end up being the best quarterback in the draft, or you still have that, you know, you're in range to trade up to go get a Drake May still if you really want Hell, that. So to, all, to all the people saying, like, goodbye, Drake May, you might be able to get Drake May at four. Who knows yeah, what the he, pre-draft process is going to look like? He might go to the senior bowl and suck. I'm not ruling that out. And then maybe you don't want him, but hey, guess what? You didn't want him anyway. What does it matter if you don't want him at two or you don't want him at four? Like, there's still, this isn't me saying, oh, you know, this isn't me trying to excuse the win, which I've been accused of. I don't really understand what that means. I'm just letting you know how this works. Yeah. It, saying this sets them back the way people are talking about it is bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, because with the four, with the draft at like the end of April now, you have four months where so much movement happens and there's always one guy who can rise, one guy who can fall. So you just never know how these things are going to shake out. And again, the higher you are, the better because you just have more opportunities available to you. But they're not in a bad spot at four and with two weeks left, they could move around the board still uh, a little bit before this is all said and done. But you mentioned making changes with the organization. I guess the other big question, big picture question from this game, does this change your mind at all about Bill's future? Because this is still, as we saw, a team that is playing very hard for their head coach. He had a good defensive plan for, for this game. You saw the social clip the Patriots put out. You know, Bill and, and the locker room, some of the reporters there in the locker room in Denver were saying, like, how hard these guys are still playing. So... Did, did that win change your opinion at all here about Bill's future with this team going forward? It didn't change my opinion. I'm not convinced it wouldn't change Robert Kraft's opinion. Because I, 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 I've I, said this time and time again, I'm not saying move on from Bill because he can't coach anymore. And I think that game was a great example of the fact that he can't. He coached. We'll get to Sean Payton. He coached <laughs> circles around Sean Payton. Yeah. Like, embarrassed him. Like, I lost respect for Sean Payton coming out of that game. But that's not why we're saying move on. It's because he's also the general manager. And since basically 2019, he's let the roster fall into a state of disarray. He's let the roster become a team that's only capable of winning four or five games. That's the bigger problem. One win in Denver doesn't change that. 
it maybe makes me wish more for a world where Bill would understand that and say, you know what? Hire GM, let him build the roster. I'm going to Nantucket. I'll see you in May for OTAs, right? Like that world is looking better and better. I don't know that that world exists. I don't think it exists, but one win in Denver doesn't undo years and years of roster mismanagement. It's it's not Bill the coach that's the issue. It's Bill the GM. The problem is Bill the GM is now doing more harm than Bill the coach is good. Bill the coach can still come out and pull off a win like that, absolutely, but it's their fourth win of the year at Christmas. Yeah. And you can't forget about that part of it. Yeah, you don't want to make an emotional decision at the end of this year where a, a win, maybe two or three wins down the stretch, blinds you from the past four years of poor roster management coaching decisions and all that but yeah like if he would say as the coach and they could bring in an outside gm that sounds like best case scenario almost but it goes back to who you're going to bring in that bill's going to listen to and then these guys are just drafting players for bill it's kind of an interesting mold their uh, situation in that setup but yeah he can obviously still coach these guys are obviously still playing hard for him so uh, but yeah, don't want to make a, an emotional decision again, but it all comes down to how Kraft views that at the end of the year. And I guess the other big picture thing, and we can transition this into the game, is Bailey Zappi in the quarterback room. He kind of flipped the, flipped the script there with a bad first half, a strip sack on the first play, where I think we all just kind of said, here we go again, but rebounded nicely in the second half later in the game, still just... You know, his movement in the pocket, kind of a playmaker, just not what Mac Jones gave them at all. Really a couple nice throws down the field to Mario Douglas, the touchdown to Gesicki, seam shots to Farrell Brown, jump balls to Devontae Parker. They're hitting explosives down the field at a much higher rate with Zappi. And where you at with Zappi for, for the future now? The other big picture thing, like, it's are you thinking there's a path to him being the guy, like starting quarterback next year, or are you still – like, let's calm down. He, he's the backup. Maybe he could start a game or two if you bring in a rookie, but let's slow down on, on handing him the reins here. Yeah, pretty much that. I, I think how many of these backup quarterbacks this year have we seen have their five minutes, right? We uh, yeah. Josh Dobbs, Jake Browning, Tommy DeVito. Um, I mean, I'm missing a bunch of them, but like there's so right. So many more. I can't I I don't know. I can't think of them right now, but I can't. Um, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson had a big game in there. This is just kind of what happens with these guys. I think that's what a good backup will do. He'll win you one or two games, but can't win the course over the course of a season. Uh, that's who Bailey Zappi is. Because what I think a lot of people don't realize is it's not that there's this massive difference. Some quarterbacks are just their own thing. Like Lamar Jackson's his own. That's his athleticism and all that's unique. But even for the other guys who are athletic, like Lamar Jackson, like within the mold of the player, right? What's the difference between a guy like Jake Browning and Joe Burrow more than anything else? Consistency. There's certain, you don't get that far without having some serious arm talent. And some of those high level throws, like the, the throw Jake Browning made to, to T Higgins, for instance, against the Vikings, right? It's a great throw. Great, great throw. Jake Browning can make that throw. Most NFL quarterbacks can make that throw if you give them enough tries. The difference is a guy like Jake Browning makes that throw two out of every three times, two out of every 10 times, three out of every 10 times, whereas Joe Burrow makes it eight or nine out of every 10 times. Yep. And you, you've seen this with Bailey Zappi where he's still missing on a lot of throws. He doesn't have, it's just, 
the, the consistency is not there. He can't do it consistent enough. His physical ability doesn't give him enough margin for error where he can do that consistently. And that's where you get these bad halves. That's where you get some of these bad misfires from him. So I think, you know, he comes to camp next year. I still think he's a good backup. Maybe if he shows he's tremendously more consistent, he has a shot. But realistically, there should be a first-round pick here. Now we know he can beat out a first-round pick. He just did it. Maybe he does it again. But he's a little bit older. He's had these consistency issues. The ceiling isn't that high. You got to have a true high ceiling option in here. A guy like Jaden Daniels, I think, to mm. really be the next face of the franchise. Zappy's a very good back. I've been on this since the beginning. I've been on this since October 21. When everybody, October 2021, when everybody was pissed, they drafted him because Mac Jones just took them to the playoffs. I said, hey, he's a good backup quarterback. And then when Zappy Fever took off, and everybody said, maybe Zappy's the next guy and he's the next Tom Brady. I said, hey, he's a good backup quarterback. And then when he sucked in camp and everybody wanted to get rid of him and find a new backup, I said, hey, he's a good backup quarterback. And now that he's taken over for Mac Jones and some people want to annoy him, here I am saying he's a good backup quarterback because that's what he is. He is a solid backup quarterback. There's nothing wrong with that. He's going to make a lot of money. He's going to be in the NFL for a long time. But if the Patriots want to win Super Bowls, they need a guy with a higher ceiling than that. Yep. You, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. And, you know, credit to him for coming in here. And they needed someone who wasn't spooked from pressure and could deal with this just awful pass blocking offensive line. And he's done that. He's someone who can make something happen in the pocket. He's not a statue back there. But consistency really is the big word. There's just – he misses some of the easy ones. He misses some of the layups. There was – you know, that little hot route to Zeke and then the the slant late in the game that Kurt Warner was talking about to Jalen Rager, just bad misses and, you know, quick, like they went three of 13 on, on third down. They still had seven three and outs and they only had less than 300 yards and 19 points because they had the special teams touchdown. Right. So it, it's just not consistent enough. But again, like credit to him, he's he's making plays. He looked, he's playing well, but the bar was set so low oh, yeah. and I see this one person in the comments going off on us being better than Mac Jones should not be the bar. Yeah. Cause that's, that's still not necessarily a playoff quarterback. So a lot of guys that are better than Mac Jones being better than he is. He has been better than Mac Jones. He does deserve to start. He outplayed Mac Jones this year. All of it. That's all true. The, the jump from that to give him the franchise is a massive leap of faith massive the the, the bars on the floor he stepped over it and, and look he did it and and that's not nothing because they had a first round pick you want this guy to be the franchise it sounds like the owner is a big fan of mac jones we know mac jones had fans in the locker room all of that and zappy took in and won the job great that doesn't mean he's a guy you build your franchise around it just means he's better than mac jones yep yeah i think we are used to watching like it was so bad with Mac that just any resemblance of a little bit better of a quarterback play and a little bit better of a playmaker, it's it's like we haven't seen this in so long. But then you have to like right. take a step back and look at the big picture, and it's still not less than 300 yards, 19 points. Yeah, yeah. three of 13, third down, seven, three and outs. And even if you dig into some of the advanced metrics, they're about the same or even worse in some parts since they've gone to Zappy than with Mac there because, you know, Mac might hit some of the, the layups and some of the easier passes, but they weren't hitting the passes down the field that, that Zappy's hitting. So it, it's been 
better to watch. Certainly, they're more competitive with Zappy, and, and you give them credit for that. But just playing above the low bar that Mac Jones set doesn't mean he's the quarterback going forward. Now, I agree with you. He's he's a very solid backup. I absolutely have him on the roster next year. Maybe if you have a Drake May or a Jaden Daniels and they're not ready, he Bailey Zappy starts the first two, three, four games of the season. But uh, I, I think that's kind of where we're at with, with Zappy right now and not a, a long-term future starter for this team. Right. And look, maybe he comes into camp and he, he, you know, really puts the work in and he improves. I'm not saying that's impossible, but yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on it. And we can maybe get to the future. I'm not in Bill might, if Bill's still here, Bill might bank on that because yeah. he's not the, the biggest difference right now between Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones is those like the pressure is still horrible. The offensive line is still playing terrible. The a lot of the balls that Mac Jones was just kind of blindly throwing to get away from pressure, Bailey Zappi's taking sacks, and that's better. It's still not good. He's holding the ball too long. He needs to make a decision before it gets to that point. I think he has one of the longest times to throw in the league right now uh, since he came in as a starter. Bailey Zappi did, but Bill's going to look at that and say he's not throwing the picks, and that's all Bill's going to care about. And he's going to say, "All right." This guy can hold us over. I'm going to fix the offensive line. I'm going to continue adding to the defense. And we can be this great defensive team that wins these low-scoring, hard-fought games because now our quarterback won't be turning the ball over left and right. I'm not saying that's what I would do. It's not. I'm not saying it's the most likely outcome. It's not. Would I be surprised if that becomes their offseason plan, if Bailey Zappi plays two more turnover-free games here? Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, especially if Bill stays. And that was his answer this morning on on radio when asked about Zappi, the first thing he said was the quarterback position, the most important thing is ball security and protecting the team and not turning the ball over. And that's gotten better for him. So, you know, there you go. You could definitely see a path where if Bill's back and say they have that fourth or fifth pick, Bill says, Oh, I'll just take Joe Alt, maybe get a receiver somewhere. And then oh. you know, Zappi will be there too. Uh, if that's the plan, don't rule out Dallas Turner. That's all I'll say. Uh, very true. We could see a, a, an edge there. Um, yeah, so that was Zappy. Some of the big picture stuff we can talk about a little bit more on the offense, but we can quickly hear from one of our sponsors over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel. You know it's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Look, if you're not good at math, you, you even you know that's a good deal. I mean, I'm not good at math, and I, I know that's a good deal. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off your NFL season. FanDuel. Official partner of the NFL. All right, here we go, folks. Now pay attention to this. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support, play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. 
All right, so as we said, a lot of the young guys, a lot of the rookies had key roles in this one, and Demario Douglas kind of led that charge. Uh, team high, 74 receiving yards. He was he had that awesome, like, 41-yard full extension catch. He had a few... I know Taylor and Evan were posting those those whip routes out of the slots. Yeah. Where, you know that like that that's the role we all pictured him when they drafted him. That we saw that stop start ability over training camp. So he, he just continues to be awesome. He forty four catches. He broke Dion on the year. He broke Dion Branch's record as a rookie. He needs two yards, two receiving yards to break Aaron Dobson's Patriots rookie receiving yards record. So. He continues to be a guy who looks like he's going to be a piece to this puzzle moving forward, which was one of the things, you, you know, you saw, said we saw a few guys in this game who said we can build with that guy moving forward, and Douglas was one of those on the offensive side of the ball. Absolutely. He's their leading receiver right now. Yeah. And catches and yards. I mean, he, he's been as productive as any receiver they've had. He is whatever the, the, the Patriots offense is going to look different next year, and it that could go a number of different ways. It's too soon to tell for a number of reasons. Whatever it looks like, there should be a role for Demario Douglas in it, kind of as that slot gadget receiver. I don't think he's like your, your true, like, number one, number one, right? Like, you yeah. still need to go out and get an upgrade over Devontae Parker and get a real X, although I would say Parker's probably played the best football of his Patriots career the last three weeks. Low bar, but still. <laughs> Douglas, there's, there's, Douglas is a hit. But you have one contributing, you know, regular on the field wide receiver. You don't need to, that, that's one less spot you got to fill. Yep. He's been awesome. And credit to Devontae Parker, two like 50 50 balls there and some key situations, especially on that last drive over Patrick Sertan, too, who was the one guy we said kind of just avoid and, you know, throw on the other side of the field. But they went after him and he hauled them in. So credit to Devontae Parker. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, look, it, it's not the outcome you're looking for for a 50th overall pick, but he had two nice plays on kind of these scheme touches, uh, a reverse, and a, a sneaky big play on that tunnel screen. It was like, I forget who got the penalty, but it was second and 20, and then Thornton gets 11, 12 yards on a tunnel screen, and then Zappi hits Kasiki for a touchdown there. So, Again, like not 50th overall pick production, but some scheme touches were, were promising there. But Parker, you know, Parker's two catches over Sertan, I thought, uh, were bit big plays in that one and deserve some credit. Yeah, I thought Parker played really well in this game because that, that whole 80-20 thing starting to show up. And I don't want to say those are bad throws by Bailey Zappi, but he kind of just threw the ball to a spot. And Devontae Parker beat the corner for the football. That's what those throws were. Uh, it's not like Bailey Zappi's out there dotting them. And that's the guy you thought the Patriots were getting when they traded a, a third-round pick for him two years ago. It's nice to finally see it, but we're finally seeing it. And that's encouraging for a guy that's kind of he, – he's going to be here. Just with the contract extension he signed recently, he's going to be here. Yep. Definitely. But uh, mentioned quickly there, Gesicki. Uh, I mean, him and Farrell Brown, Hunter Henry was out, so they had a bigger roles – only combined for four catches and 40 yards, but they were big plays. The Gesicki touchdown, obviously, and then he had a catch on that, <clears throat> excuse me, that final drive to set up the field goal, and then Farrell Brown just catches everything thrown his way. He's 11 for 11 on targets this year, and, and the one big catch up the seam was you know, a nice ball by Zappi, nice nice play by them. So some good protect, production from the tight ends you know, in, in big situations in the passing game. And then Zeke, too, just the run game struggled again. But Zeke, 
just continues to make plays as a pass catcher. He had the touchdown with the nice hurdle. So some big contributions from those guys too in that area of the game. Zeke's been a top three offensive player for them this year. I think it's Douglas Henry and him. That's been yeah, the group. Probably. And yeah, he continues. And I think it says a lot about him, not just as a player, but as a, as a guy, as a man, as a character that he has, of anybody on this team, any reason to check out, he's a, you know, borderline hall of famer. He was winning all those games with the Dallas Cowboys. He had a sign here last minute. He had every reason to check out. And not only is he not checking out, he seems to be kind of willing the team forward. So I, I just continue to be impressed by him. And yeah, another good game for him. I think the issues in the run game are more schematic and probably have more to do with the offensive yep. line than Definitely. just, Oh, Hey, you know, the running backs suck. Yeah. The offensive line was an issue <laughs> and the run game in the past game. Uh, I mean, James Ferencz, he got the start at left guard with Cole Strange on IR and it, it lasted what all four plays he got manhandled on the first play on a strip sack. He came back out and I think he was responsible for, you know, a run getting blown up. And then they went to Moffy at left guard and he wasn't much better. Three penalties, couple pressures. So that, that spot was an issue left tackle. Trent was still rotating in and out. And with Connor McDermott out onto Vidarian Lowe, who he's obviously struggled this year. So tough left side of the line there. Kind of the same thing we saw from city. So, lately like still some promising rookie tape but he'll he'll get beat a few times a mental lapse a few times but i gotta give credit to david andrews in the middle there because he's just been rock solid all, all year with a lot of moving parts and a lot of young guys around him he, he's been really impressive and he had another another good game sunday night he continues to just be such an important player for them uh, just in terms of maintaining the culture through a rough season and, and on top of that like you said i thought he played well in this game yep where do you think he's at future-wise? Do you think he's back next year? Uh, well, he's still under contract, so it's not like he has to rush to decide. I I think he's good. If I were him, I'd see how the offseason goes. I yeah. don't know where he's at physically. Like Maybe physically he just can't do it anymore, but I wouldn't come back to play for this team again. Yeah. Not the Patriots, but like a team like this. If, if they make serious upgrades on offense, then yeah, it becomes, I think, a lot more uh, a, a lot more reasonable to come back. Yeah, kind of like what Devin McCourty said, like he kind of looked at the team and was like, eh, this team might not be winning much. So I'm going to, I'm going to sit out and, and retire here. So, uh, they would love him back though. Obviously he, he's still playing football at, at a high level. So, uh, any other offensive notes you had? I think that was pretty much most of it, but anything else catch your eye there? I think that was pretty much it. I'm just going back through. Um, no, that was, that was pretty much it. All right. So we can jump over to the defensive side of the ball. And I know you have to talk about some Sean Payton takes, but before we do that, we can hear from our other friends over at SeatGeek very quickly. Good for the best deal on Celtics tickets. And with over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports festivals, and more. You can use my code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you check the link in the description to download the app. All right, so take it away, because that... End of the game clock management by Sean Payton was just 
abysmal and i know you have some thoughts on it <laughs> yeah i have some thoughts on it yes i do and, and and let me first off you know no i'll get to that let me say this so all right the broncos patriots tie the game broncos get the ball back uh 142 to go three timeouts you only really need like 30 yards like it's paint by number at this point they go hyper conservative whatever that freaking screen call was toss that one out never run that again that should never see the light of day. Punt it away. Patriots get the ball back like a minute left, one timeout. Now, the Patriots have everything to gain, nothing to lose. They're out of the playoffs. They, they Their upshot is you play spoiler and you get to have a Merry Christmas because you want a football game. The Broncos are still playing for playoff position. They need this game. Punt the ball back to the Patriots after a super conservative drive. The Patriots at this point are the only team that can end the game in regulation. Even if you get a stop as the Broncos, you're going to get the ball back with about 30 seconds, no timeouts. And the way Bryce Beringer is kicking the ball in that game, you're probably going to have to go even for a field goal, 50, 60 yards. So there's not a ton of upshot in getting the ball back. On top of that, you just had that super conservative drive. You played for overtime. That Don't tell me that drive was you trying to win the game. That drive was you trying to go to overtime. So they pumped the ball back to the Patriots, and the Patriots kind of seem to be like, yeah, okay, we'll go to overtime. We can win this game right now. You can't. We can. But we're going to go to overtime. We're going to run the ball. Run on first down. Sean Payton calls a timeout. What are you doing? That's weird. Okay. Patriots, Patriots say, no, we want overtime. They run it again. Sean Payton calls a second timeout. They come out on third down. Press man blitz. Bailey Zappi. Devontae Parker, see it. It's a great check. They go to that back shoulder. Now, boom, they're they're cooking to get in field goal range. The Patriots are ready to go to overtime with a Denver Broncos team who was at home, had all the momentum, and is a better team. And the Broncos said, nope, no, don't worry about that. We'll put our 30th-ranked defense out there and try to stop you here in regulation to force overtime. You know who made a shocking similar decision to that? Shockingly similar decision? Brandon Staley. <laughs> this was the Brandon Staley thing that got so far up my ass in the first place back in 2021. The Raiders game. Remember oh, that yeah, where they're tied? They should have tied. Both teams tie, they go to the playoffs. If they don't tie, the Steelers get one of the spots. And the Raiders are ready to sit on that ball and, and just end it in a tie. And Staley starts calling timeouts like a dumbass. Yeah. Instead of just taking the prefer and now it's a little different because Staley's is, is much worse. One, he doesn't have the pedigree Sean Payton does. I said I lost some respect for Sean Payton. Not all. I do feel a little bad comparing him to Brandon Staley. But Staley could have just gone to the playoffs. Broncos are still going to have to win in overtime. And even then, I think they had less than 50% chance to make the playoffs. But, like, it's right there. Are you that worried about Bailey Zappi going? First of all, all right, so you lose the coin flip. You kick off. They're at the 25. They now have to go because the kicker had sucked up till that point. Who knew that he was going to hit a 50-something yarder in that spot? If you let the game go to overtime, even if you lose the toss, you kick a touchback. Patriots are at the 25. They've got to go at least another 60 yards to get in a field goal range. And then even if they get a field goal, you get a chance to respond. Instead, you let them go like 30. You create a situation where they can go 30. You give them the extra time. Total, total mismanagement from Sean Payton. He had the issue earlier in the game, too. You take the points at the goal line. Also, as an offensive coach, he deserves some blame for them not being able to score on the three plays prior. Sean Payton was horrible in this game. 
Sean Payton lost the Broncos this game. It was a, I, I could not believe a guy with the pedigree of Sean. Maybe I haven't watched, I didn't watch enough Saints football in the day. I did not think Sean Payton was capable of this. I did not think he was one of these kinds of coaches. That was atrocious. It was an, emba- Sean Payton should be embarrassed the way that game went because that was on him. It, it, it would be real tough for me to be a Denver Broncos player and look him in the eye in the locker room after that game. That was, it was pathetic. It was pathetic. It was a pathetic job of game management by the head coach of the Denver Broncos, Sean Payton. Especially with your, you know, like you're fighting for your playoff odds or right. your lives. And just to do that, the, the last Patriots drive was unbelievable because I forget what reporter was out there who tweeted it. it might've been Evan actually he said, was talking to some of the offensive guys after the game, and they said, yeah, we were playing for overtime. We ran the ball twice, and then they called timeouts, and they're like, okay, now we might as well take a shot here on third down, and next thing you know, a few plays later, they're in field goal range kicking the game winner. So that was just a mind-boggling decision there. Like, you don't have the ball. Like, nothing bad can happen here except you go into overtime, and he does that. And you mentioned the offense. The offense was really bad, too, and – we spoke a lot last week how this is a bad matchup for the Patriots defense against this Denver offense. And I know Cortland Sutton got hurt pretty early and that was a big loss for them. But I mean, the Patriots just like credit to them. They went to a lot of zone and they dialed up some of these pressure packages that we we've seen a lot. And they, they got home the like 42% pressure rate. I think it, it was so like credit to the Pats, but it was just a bad Bad offensive game plan from Sean Payton and bad clock management, especially at the end there. So that like that that's tough when you're fighting for your fighting for your life. Yeah, it just it, I mean I I didn't think he was capable of that. It, it it was really some of the worst. I I instantly I was watching the end of my brother. I turned to my brother. I said that's Brandon, that's the Brandon Staley timeout. Why yeah. is he this guy just got fired because he gave up a sixty burger? And that's the guy's strategy. That's the guy you're going to like. Oh, he had a good idea. Terrible. Terrible. Yep. yep. It was tough. But uh, if you want to shout out some individuals, I mean, we do it every week now, but you have to, especially after this one, you have to start with Christian Barmore. Just an absolute freak. Three sacks, uh, QB hit, hurry, a couple run stuffs too. Like the stuff in the run game is what what's really impressive, I think, because we always knew he could be a dominant pass rusher and the fact that he's added – this to his game is just taking it to another level. So I know the all pro talk is going around. Hopefully he can at least crack the pro bowl because he, he definitely deserves it. And again, just like one of the first things on whoever's in charge to do list this off season should be getting an extension done with him because he, he has just been absolutely amazing these past two, three months, really. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, top five defensive tackle in football right now. And this was the guy you saw coming out of Alabama. This was the guy that was supposed to be a first round pick. And I think injuries more than anything else limited his ability to make this kind of impact through his first two years in the NFL. But it, he was doing this at Alabama. Like this isn't, I don't want to say it's not surprising. It's not surprising. It's impressive, but it's not surprising. Yep. If you watched him in Alabama, you really watched him in Alabama. You knew he was this kind of three down game wrecker. And the Patriots are getting that now. And every good Bill Belichick defense, all the best Bill Belichick defenses were built around a defense. You know, there's a really good defensive tackle there that's part of it, whether it be Vince Wilfork, whether it be Richard Seymour. Uh, Barmore can be a different kind of player, but in the modern game, you need a different kind of player. 
Barmore can be that guy. If they're, if this defense is going to hit that level again, this defensive core, there's a couple other pieces in place that are important as well. Uh, Jabril Peppers, Christian Gonzalez, right? Maybe Matthew Judon. Barmore has got to be a part of this thing moving forward. That is a guy you can build this thing around 100%. Yep. I mean, he, a lot of people thought he might've been a first round pick, right? Like a late first round pick. People were surprised he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they thought they traded up to get him obviously. So they didn't think he was going to, you know, sit there much longer. So obviously he always had the talent, all the coaches and he talked about it. Now that health has been a big thing to him to finally put this together. So he's a guy you definitely want to build around. Uh, him and Christian Gonzalez as the like the pillars for that defense will be fun. And it, I don't know what's going to happen with Matt Judon, but if he's back, watching those two kind of go hand in hand on the defensive line will be really fun next year because we didn't get to see a lot of that last year with Barmore's injury. So that'll that'll be fun to watch. But uh, another young guy defensively, I thought this was one of Keon White's best games, maybe all year or, or in a while since definitely after since that concussion that he had that he seemed to kind of be building back up after flashed a few times big a uh, few hits hurries uh, even in the run game too so I, I thought that was nice to see and then uh, Josh Uche who hasn't had the stats really to back it up but he he had a good game six pressures a sack for the first time since week four I believe it was so he's been like quietly playing well but it just doesn't always show it in the stat sheet, but you know, nice, nice for him to get a sack and, and get back in, in that category this week. Yeah. I think the last three games it's, it, he's been building and they're, they're using him a little bit different. They're really starting to him and Barmore together, starting to run some games and things like that. Yep. And that's been really fun to watch. So you saw, we'll get some other, I think, you know, between Demario Douglas, Keon white, we'll get to Marte Mapu. Like you started to see, you're starting to see this rookie class really come into its own. And white's definitely a part of that. Yep. And then last two or last two guys in the front seven, I guess I should say, Mac Wilson, another sack for him, third yeah. straight game, and then another turnover for Jelani Tavai. He's just always around the ball. And credit to Jeremiah Farms too for wrestling that away. I thought for sure that was a Broncos recovery. At least that's what it looked like on, on the TV copy that they were showing. But he wrestled it away and he came out of the pile with the football. So. Credit to him. Uh, Demarcus Covington's been giving him a, a lot of praise lately, so nice to see Farms uh, out on the field. And then Tavai and Mac Wilson just consistently stacking some uh, some good games together, as they kind of have been all year, honestly. I thought it was interesting that Gerard Mayo said earlier, admitted that they yeah. pretty much misused Mac Wilson last year, yep. and it felt like that. And now he's in a role that's much more natural for him. We've talked so much about them misusing players mostly draft picks but free agents too in recent years they seem to realize it too because they figured out that they were wrong with mac wilson and they put him in a better spot and look at what happens now he's playing really well so hopefully they figure that out with some of the other guys they're misusing Marte mapu uh, <laughs> but it's it's one step in the right direction and mac wilson's another guy i think you see a, a strong push to bring back this offseason now did mayo I was thinking that quote got me thinking when I what when he said it earlier. Did he say a few weeks ago that they were misusing someone else too? Like why did I think he said that a few weeks I, ago? They might have. That sounds familiar. Maybe didn't it was it? it might have been Mac Wilson again though. Oh. Cuz it sounded really familiar and I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah, I did now that you say that. Yeah, I didn't get to dig and, and go back to look at it, but that just like triggered something in my mind that oh, like we heard that recently. I thought maybe it was against 
Mac Wilson. I, I'd have to look it up later and get back to everyone on that one. But uh, yeah, like coming off the edge, he, he looks really good. Sacks in three straight games. And then in the secondary, Miles Bryant was you know everywhere in this game. Uh, really good pass breakup downfield on, on Cortland Sutton. It was big size mismatch, but he, he played that perfectly. He played 63 snaps between defense special teams, so he was all over the field. I know Mike Reese posted a clip right before we got on of him kind of breaking up that last screen on Denver's last drive, which was a really good you know IQ play to get out there, potentially wipe out a big play. So I don't know no one wants to hear it, but he's just a good football player. Like He wears a lot of hats for that secondary, so uh, nice to see that. And then... Uh, I thought Sean Wade and Jonathan Jones were just kind of competitive as always. Uh, Jonathan Jones has been really good in coverage. Sean Wade, I know, gave up that touchdown at the end. Kind of an aggressive blitz call there. Kind of like the the Steelers, the callback against the Steelers reminded me of, like right outside that red zone, and, and they bring pressure. And, you know, nice. It was good recognition from Sean Wade, but, but you have to make the tackle there. So as we continue to search for maybe that depth corner going forward, I don't know if you like Wade or Alex Austin or what else you saw from that secondary. Yeah, I mean, Miles Bryant was terrific in this game and deserves a ton of credit for that. Like you said, he was asked to do a lot, and he did it, and he did it at a level where they could win. So another guy that, like you said, I, I don't think people understand kind of his role in the defense. I think sometimes the Patriots lose, lose track of what his role should be in the defense, honestly. <laughs> but uh, when you give him an opportunity to make plays, he makes plays, and he's always done that. and there's a ton of value in that guy, even if he's not a superstar, just a reliable, like he blows up that screen uh, in the fourth quarter. That was a huge part of the reason they won a guy that gives you that play, you know, here and there, and you know, isn't really going to screw up in between. There's value in that. Yep. I agree. But uh, any last defensive thoughts or any more Sean Payton hating you have to get off your chest or we can, no, I think I got that one off my chest. That was, <laughs> yeah. That one was boiling there since Sunday yeah. night. So, uh, last but not least, we can wrap up special teams, and we got to start with Chad Ryland, absolutely nailing that 56-yard field goal after a rocky start, or he made a kick, then he missed a kick, then he had the loudest doink of all time. I was think the I... microphone in the? <laughs> I think post. the goalpost was just like littered with microphones up and down because that sounded like an explosion. But then. You know, we've heard all year from these these coaches, the players, and, and, you know, about how mentally tough he is and how he sticks to his process. And you saw that there coming out and, and just an absolutely kind of ballsy kick. Knew it right when it hit off his foot. Big 56-yarder to win the game. Clutch situation. So you hope this could we, – we know he has the talent. You saw it there. So you hope this might kind of flip the – flip the switch here and kind of give him some confidence going forward. And this could be something he builds off of. And you start to see more of the kicker you saw at Maryland that they drafted in the fourth round going forward. Yeah. You, you hope kind of, like you said, like if his issues are mental, you hope he hit that one in it. You can kind of clear his head and get back to kicking and we'll see how he does the next couple of weeks. Cause I, I'm ready to write kicker down as the need for the Patriots this offseason i really am even with that kick if he still comes back out and he struggles these next two games you have to move on yeah. you really have a choice so it's good he hit that and maybe that's the one he needed we'll find out i still like even if he finishes strong i still wouldn't be surprised if there's competition over the summer for him in some capacity like just because the season-long struggles they, they 
been hard to ignore and right. if they were a good team like he probably wouldn't be here honestly at this point so uh you hope he can finish strong here you hope that gives him confidence going forward and, and you know you, you see the talented kicker that, that he is but time will tell and then another rookie on, on special teams Marte Mapu making a second big play in the second straight game kind of a you know punch the ball out from Marvin Mims there on, on a kick return Cody Davis recovers you know big touchdown there to go up I think that was the 23 seven at that point. So there was a unit down Matthew Slater. Uh, you knew Marvin Mims was going to make a play, which he did earlier that we can talk about in a bit, but it was nice to see the special teams uh, make a big play there. Kind of feels like we've been waiting on that all year for them to get in, in the positive category. And that's not two weeks in a row. Marte Mapu's forced a turnover. So yeah. maybe picking up some momentum on his end as well. Still wasn't perfect. Brandon Schooler missed another tackle. Chris Board took a bad penalty. Bad penalty. That had a chance to be very costly. Uh, that that group still needs a massive overhaul in the offseason, but you did get a, a little bit of a spark there, a little bit with Marte Mapu forcing that fumble. Yep. I can't believe Chris Board erased a 76-yard punt. That that killed <laughs> me. That, that pain. That hurt. <laughs> And yeah, it, it could have been, I think it ended up being like a 19 yard penalty. So it, it could have made a big difference there if not for Sean Payton uh, kind of bragging right. out there. So uh, more ups and downs in, in the special teams unit there. First game without Matthew Slater since, what was it, seven years, six years, since 2017, I believe it was. So uh, kind of a mix. 2017, yeah. 2017, yep. So. Uh, I believe that it is mostly it, unless you had any last thoughts on the game or big picture stuff from Sunday. Bill, anything? Uh, I think that's it for me. All right. So that'll do it from us here today. We will be back Thursday, I believe, to preview the Patriots going to Buffalo to take on the Bills on Sunday. Again, we'll break that one down here on the CLNS YouTube on Thursday. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. And in the meantime, you can follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Go read all his work over at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines. Go read my coverage over at Pat's Pulpit.com. Thank you all, as always, for tuning in.